0: Shalom and welcome to From Sunday to Sabbath, weekly podcast helping others discover the life that they were created to live in Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Scan, Senior Pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. We were once a Sunday church, but now we gather on the Shabbat, the Sabbath. Join us in this journey and discover the truth of God's Word for living today. Hey everyone, Mike Scan here, uh, Senior Pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. Welcome to another. Um, Sunday to Sabbath. Um, I got a special uh, message for you today. I'm going to um, uh, broadcast our service from this past Sabbath. Um, This is a message that really is true and dear to my heart, to my family's heart, um, mainly because we all have struggled in some form or fashion with addiction. And this is probably paramount. If you were to wonder what is your other than you know the 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 word of god the bible and um you know god's truth if you were to ask me what's probably the most important thing to me and that's me helping find people help me helping people find um freedom uh, people need freedom so bad and so this may be for you you may be struggling with an addiction you may know someone who is struggling with addiction Um, and just before you, you know, click off before you do that and you think, well, I don't have an addiction. It's more than alcohol. It's more than drugs. It's more than sex. There are other areas of our life where people struggle. And, um, I think this is going to be key. This will be definitely key to finding freedom. So if you've been struggling with stuff in your life and you're ready to find that freedom, this is our Sabbath service message, uh, called breaking free. Um, if you like it, please, uh, leave a comment. If you're on a, a, um, A platform that allows that. Share it. That would be the greatest thing that you could do is share this with others. Tell your friends about it, man. Get the word out. Help people find the life that they were created to live. Help people find the epic life. Without any further ado, here is our message from this past Sabbath. Praise the Lord. Again, as I said earlier, um, you have joined us at a really, really good time um, because we are going to be celebrating um, some people that have taken a journey. I was actually talking to one this morning. And, um, I want to teach a message because it really relates to that and it relates to some of you who may be thinking maybe next time that we have freedom sessions. and really I'm I'm not going to, I really kind of have a hidden agenda and the hidden agenda is this, is that I believe this and you may not believe it, that's cool, um, but everybody needs freedom. And the reason why I say that to every one of you is because if you live in this world, you need freedom. And it may be just freedom from yourself, it may be freedom from some other things that have come up in your life. Um, and I'm hoping that today we kind of be able to kind of unpack some stuff that, uh, that they found out in Freedom Sessions, but also something that we can do, begin to do even today when we're dealing with, uh, with freedom. I, my message, I want to jump right into our message today because the message title is uh, Breaking Free. And it's really going to be focusing primarily on addictions. Now, you may be sitting here and, and, and doing what a lot of people do and say, well, I don't have an addiction and, and you may be. There are those few people who have worked through a lot of this stuff in their life and have found freedom in their life. And to you, I congratulate you. Um, but yet the majority of people, especially among followers, especially among followers, um, want to believe that they have freedom. But then once they begin to really begin to unpack the issues of their life, they discover that really they didn't have freedom, at least not the freedom that they need. And I talk to people all the time. Um, I tell people this, that uh, when when I really got into ministry, the focus of my ministry wasn't to become a senior pastor. That wasn't my goal. My heart was to help people find freedom. And, and I actually set out to be a counselor, to be in ministry, Christian counseling, um, to be exact. Um, and then the Lord did what he does, and here I am. Praise the Lord. Um, but there's still a heart in me. If there, if you were to ask what the core of my life is, uh, and it maybe because of my life, um, and it's freedom. It's helping people find freedom. The core of Epic Life Church, at its bottom, yes, Jesus, yes, Torah, yes, all that. Okay, for all you guys that are sitting there, shouldn't Jesus be the same? It is. Oh, he is. Amen. Okay, but if you wanted to know what what the foundation, the building block of what Epic Life started with, it's freedom. It's helping people find the life that they were created to live. That's what our vision statement is. That's what our mission is. And the blessing that we now have is that not only do we get to find freedom in discovering this life we were created to live, but now we get to understand the Torah and all of the stuff that's been hidden from us. for. And that's not what today's message is about. But now we get to find out what the truth of the gospel is and the message and, uh, and, and, and his Torah, his instructions, his teaching. And find stuff that we didn't believe. But now it's, it's it's in freedom. Because if you're not careful and you find Torah, I'm going to tell you what can happen to you when you're bound up. You will become religious. You will become a super spiritual individual that is bound up in sin and garbage and all of this stuff. You say, well, Pastor Mike, why would you say that? Because I have dealt with it in the back rooms of counseling. People who knew Jesus who knows, goes to church, reads their Bible, but have not dealt with severe issues in their life. What you're about to see today is people who made those decisions and changed. They say, well, doesn't the Holy Spirit... I had one person tell me, well, the Holy Spirit changed me. That's great, but you still have to work out the stuff. Paul said it this way, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There are stuff in our... The sanctification, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Sanctification is the literally walking out of your faith, learning what kodesh means, learning how to be holy. But if you're in this earth suit that you've been listening to for however many years, you've got an issue. And that is how do we begin to turn that off and begin to walk in the Spirit the way the Bible teaches us to? That's what today's message is about. I want to jump right in, dealing with, there we go dealing with sec uh, second corinthians chapter 10 3 through 5 most of you in this room i know have heard this message time and time and time again okay you've heard this passage of scripture probably even have it memorized hopefully you do but it says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh this is going to work <laughs> it is there we go for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is probably one of the most popular passages, if ever, that I teach, especially in marriage counseling. 99.9% of marriage counseling, this is the scripture that I give them. Because husbands and wives feel like the wife is the enemy or the husbands of the enemy. You may have an issue going on in your life right now. I'm going to tell you today that your, your, your issue is not a physical issue. I can take everything that you're going through, align it to Scripture, and show you that everything that you're going through right now in your life is a spiritual problem. And if you can get it adjusted and learn how to adjust this to make it what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit wants to do, that's where transformation begins to happen in a person's life. The problem is, is that we've disconnected sometimes. And we're good about that, especially as Christians. We know how to super-spiritualize issues. Well, I'll just pray about it. Yet the issue's still there, and we don't understand it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought, this is huge, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The very first thing we have to learn as believers in Messiah is this, learning how to control this. Most of your problems, and this is what I tell people all the time, most of people's problems, especially believers, really everybody, is right between their ears. It's between their ears. It's because you have a belief system that is contrary to scripture. And you have to change the way you think about stuff. Have you ever said things like, man, my migraine. Have you ever said that? Show me in the Bible where it's your migraine. Why are you taking ownership of something? Right? My problem. My this. My that. This is a I have a problem right here in between our ears so it says casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God what does that mean? it means that when you begin to understand Torah when you begin to understand God's word something significant happens is that you have two options option A is that the thought that you're coming through your brain right, your human flesh the, the, the thought that's coming through there you have the choice to either believe it or measure it up against God's standard this is what this is talking about is that we take itself, we, it exalts itself. When a thought is exalting itself against God's knowledge, we have a spiritual problem. So for instance, people who, and I'm not saying that, you, that listen to me, if you say, oh, I have a headache, it's one thing. But when you continually claim something that the Bible says, man, God has redeemed you from, that's where the problem lies. You have to align your thought process unto what God's word says about it. I ask people this all the time. When you come to me and you say, Pastor Mike, I have this issue, this issue, issue. the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth is I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to say, what does God's word say? See, I talked about this last week a little bit because I said, Yeshua says this. He said that man cannot live. We just said it this morning. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But when you understand the meaning of that and the weight of that, it'll change your life. Because the word word in that text, W-O-R-D, is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And it means, by Greek definition, it means revelation, a revealed word. In other words, the reason Joshua was able to take the city in the new, in, in Canaan and take, and take down all the enemies is because he had God show up in front of him and say, Every place your foot sets, I'm going to give to you. That's a rhema. That is a word from God. Amen. But here's what's great about this is every person in this room has God's word on everything right here. The problem is we don't read it. And when we do read it, sometimes we just read it as it's a book. Like, okay, I did my daily write- my writing, my reading. Okay, there's my reading. I did my reading for the day. Right? Instead of going, wait a minute, what does God's word say about my situation? What does God's word say about my problem? Right? Because it says everything. Where am I at? I am. Probably should have been there so that the people online could see it. There we go. Praise God. Paul points out here that the new mind can bring down the strongholds of the old mind. The new mind can conquer the old mind that is still in us. According to 2 Corinthians ten three through 5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God, in the casting down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. Let's see what like. Oh, you know what's happening? Yeah, That's why. All right, y'all. Let me change this up real quick. Technology. You gotta love it. Talk amongst yourself. I'll be right back. All right, I forgot to do something. I got so excited about this clicker that I have in my hand. I'm like, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a new toy. Right, and, and we're learning how to do it. So today I want to talk about, like I said, the uh, overcoming these addictions. Now addictions happen. Well, I want you to understand this. Addictions will happen. Watch. Addictions. Here's the definition of an addiction. Anything that I do that I don't want to do but won't stop doing it. Doesn't that kind of like eliminate a lot of fallacies, right, of things that we think are addictions and things that uh, we think are not addictions, Right? But it's anything that's in our life that we're going, man, I need to quit this. This is not good for me. It's not good for my walk with Messiah. And so anything that you do that aligns into that category, it becomes an addiction. That's what an addiction is. And addictions happen when we choose, watch, we choose to listen to a lie instead of the truth. Anytime we believe something that contradicts scripture, we have bought into a lie. And it can and will sometimes become an addiction. Now, I'm not saying that everything you do is an addiction. Hear what I'm saying. It's anything that I do that I don't want to do but won't stop doing it. Very powerful. Let me say this another way. If you have something in your life that if it were not in your life, your life would be better. So, whatever that is for you. Whatever that might be in your life. It may be that you sleep too much. You know that sleeping really can be an addiction. It may be that you don't like to do get up and do things that need to get done. You'd rather do something else. You like to you like to zone out, right? Maybe like Facebook, right? So you you can get on Facebook for 4 hours, but you can't get up and take out the trash. You know what I'm saying? You can't make dinner. You can't you can't cl- help clean the house. You can't get on to your job on time. Because you have these other things. That are in your life. Those are just little things. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toe today. But it can be anything. It can be, it can be your phone, it can be internet, it can be social media, it can be shopping, it can be working. It could be an identity that you get, like, like being around a certain type of core group of people, a certain type of fellows that you like to hang out with, right? You like to hang out with them, but you know they're not good for you, but you can't stop hanging out with them. But they're not good for you, they're not leading you in the direction that you were called to live it can be anything that we cannot stop to do so let's look here at romans there we go romans chapter 7 beginning verse 21 it says i find the principle this is paul right i find this principle that evil is present in me now this is paul speaking now if i was to walk up to you christian and say there's evil in you you would rebuke me oh i'm a christian this is paul this is paul saying this I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law. Notice the parties that are involved in this. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me what? A prisoner. Wait a minute. You mean Paul is saying that he's a prisoner? says a struggle. Making me a prisoner of the law of sin. What's the law of sin? Death. That when you break the law, death is there. That's the law of sin. Which is in my members. Talking about the flesh. Right? It, the flesh does what? What's he telling us? The flesh likes to sin. The flesh loves to sin. That's what the flesh does. That's what the flesh wants to do. It's, in contra- it's, con- it's an enemy, as we know scripturally, it, the, the flesh is an enemy to the things of God. It doesn't want to do the things of God. So if you're thinking like you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to instantaneously want to read your Bible, you're absolutely crazy. Not unless you've been doing it for a long time, right? Have, have you've been a believer and you've, you've been able to, 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 to quench those thoughts, to quench those things that te- seem to kind of draw you away from the Father, right? How many times have we had the opportunity to come and gather in a community or come to church on Sabbath, right, and we're laying in bed, we're like, you know what, I just think I'm going to stay. Because the flesh doesn't want to get up early. Right? Just ask other people. I want to call out names here this morning, right? It just doesn't want to do it. I said, "Where am I at?" From verse twenty-four. Yeah. Watch what Paul says. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Now we know if we go on and read the scripture, what it say? It says, "Praise be unto Yeshua." Amen. Because he did deliver us from this earth too. But here's what has to happen. You have to think differently. Some people in the faith, nobody in our room, right? But some people in the faith, they give their life to Messiah, right? And they live like the world but want to live like Messiah. You ain't going to do that. You have to change your thinking. You have to change between your ears. You have to change your thoughts to align why because it's walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Remember, the flesh is an enemy, an enemy to the things of God. Some lives that we get caught up in when we get these addictions, these are some of the things that I want to really hit real quick. Uh, one of the lives that we believe when we get into addiction is it's just part of my identity. It's just who I am. My grandma was angry all the time. My papa was angry all the time. My dad was angry all the time. I'm just angry because it's not my fault. It's just part of my it's just who I am. Right? That's what we do. We lie to ourselves and we say, this is who I am. We buy into this. Well, I'm just an addictor. right? I'm just addicted. This is what the AA and NA say. They get up there and they say, my name is Mike and I'm addicted to whatever. Hey, Mike. The problem with that is, is you're misidentifying yourself. You're internalizing who you are based upon an addiction in your life. That's not who you are. Not who you are. Because the Bible tells us that we, are, that we are to know who we are in God, and the Bible says that we are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says. Not mean every Christian, that the, that, it doesn't say every Christian is an overcomer. It says those who are in Messiah are overcomers. That's very huge. See, why do we do this? Because we now have a new identity. And it's based on the promises of Christ. It's based on the Torah, his instructions in righteousness. This is who we have to do. Let's take a look at Lamentations. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Notice your responsibility. See what he says? I recall to my mind. Well, God's going to deliver me. I recall to my mind. Oh, but God set me free. I recall to my mind. We have this mindset to think, oh, it's going to magically just disappear because, oh, well, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm following him, and he's my Lord, okay? But I have to recall my mind. What did David say? God told David, remind me of my precepts. Remind me. Our job as followers is to remind God what his promises are. But here's the key. you got to know his promises. you got to know what it says first. And if you don't know what it says, how can you stand on it? And not just know it in the sense of, well, you know, I read the Bible last month. you know, And, and, and when I was in Sunday school, I heard, you know, well, my, my, my dad always quotes this passage of Scripture. And I heard the pastor say last week, no, you have to know it. Your revelation of God's Word will not come from my revelation of God's Word, my Rama. We have this misunderstanding. We see pastors who will quote a scripture and just quote this scripture every day. You know, like taking a vitamin. You know, like just take that vitamin. Just quote that and your life will change. No, it won't. Not unless you have a rhema over it. Not unless you put it into your spirit and it becomes yours. It's God's word. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Now that's something I can stand on. Right, That's something I can believe in, that he is faithful, that his love never ceases, that no matter what's going on in my life, even when I'm struggling, I can go to the father, right, say, God, I need you. And he's like, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And it's beautiful what happened. You know, I was thinking about this during worship. Some of you people, and you know who you are, right? I'm not going to pick you out, who don't like worship, you're in trouble. Because heaven is going to be about worship. For those of you who don't like to get on your knees because you don't want to be embarrassed and and worship, you're in trouble. Because the Bible says every knee will bow. You're going to bow. Right? I like to practice now. And let me tell you something. If these old broken knees can get down, and yes, I said that because I know my life, all right, can get down on their knees and worship the Lord, you too can. You, You can too. There we go. Yeah, they'll be like trying to figure that out. If there's an interpreter right now, like, what? You can as well. The kingdom of God is going to be about worship and worshiping our king, amen? The other excuse we have sometimes is when I try to quit but fail, I feel increasingly hopeless. That is a lie of the enemy. Oh, you tried again, you failed. You tried again, you failed. You tried again, you failed. I heard a statement years and years ago, and it said that, uh, and and it's theologically it's incorrect, but you'll understand the gist of it, okay? Theologically, but it has... It just the thought of it, just thinking, right? It says the, 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 the saint of God falls down and he gets up, right? The, the, sinner, the saint falls down and he gets up. The, the saints are the sinners who fall down and get back up. Uh, obviously, that's false theology, right? But the, the implication is we sometimes miss it and we fall down. Isn't it interesting that when Paul was instructing, uh, I believe it was James, And he was telling him about the kingdom. He was telling about, you know, now remember, this is Paul, the apostle, speaking to James, who was a pastor of uh, the church in Turkey. And what's interesting of what he tells him, he says to James, he says, he says, for when we sin, or when you sin, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus, who is quick and able to forgive us of all unrighteousness. I love that. You know why I love that? Because Paul, speaking to a young pastor over a congregation of Gentiles, was telling him, not if, but when. What does that mean? It means, yes, you're going to fall. You will have opportunities to sin. Why? We already established this flesh doesn't like God's word. And there are moments that we all have that are in this house. And if you say that you don't have that problem, you never sin, we're in great trouble. Because you better go back and read what the Bible says. All of us do. And the reason I'm telling you that is not a license to go and sin. It's not. It's to shine the light on God's grace and his goodness. It's not an excuse to stay in sin. It's not an excuse to go to the bar this weekend and honky-tonk and do whatever, right? Like, well, you know, pastor said I'm going to be forgiven. Watch out. You're in a bad place. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. You can read that later, all right? That's not an excuse to it. This is for those who, are, who want to be what God's called them to be, wants to live out the life that God's called them to live. But man, you get in the flesh, right? Your wife does irritate you sometimes, and you kind of say some things that aren't very loving. But wait, there's more, right? And he becomes irritating sometimes, right? And says things that he shouldn't say. But that's where we need grace. We need God's mercy. We need his grace in our life. It's going to happen. But it's no reason to stay down. You keep fighting. So we have to remember we're in a warfare church. And the worst thing that you can do, Christian, is be very pious towards people who are struggling. It's the worst thing you can do. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we're not to be that person, we're actually supposed to check ourselves first, right? and then go and approach someone or a brother or sister who, that you see in sin. We're supposed to check ourselves first. And this is an act of humility, of humbling ourselves, and realizing, wait a minute, we don't have it all together. There isn't a person in here who has it all together. And if you do have it all together, write a book. Yeah. Write a book. Let us all know how you did it. Because I sure like to know. Because none of us in this room have it all together. Looking over here at, uh, where am I at? See, the thing we have to remember is as long as Jesus is the king of the universe, it's not over. And guess what? He's still king of the universe. Don't quit. It's one of the things we teach in freedom sessions. When you go through freedom sessions, the understanding is I've got it all together now. I've worked out my major problem. No, you just took, pulled back the top layer. You just pulled back one layer. We're, we're, the stuff that we have been going through in life are layers of stuff that we have to be honest and deal with. I've been through freedom sessions five times. Five times. And every time I went through it, I wasn't going through it to go through it. I was going through it because I was the uh, the director of it before my beautiful bride took over. And now she took over it. And every time I go through it, the Lord shows something else. There's another something there that I need to work on. It It's not always like a big, you know, earth-shattering uh, sin or something. It's just stuff that keeps me from Him. Stuff that keeps me from loving like I should love. Stuff that keeps me from literally walking in this perfect union and this perfect peace with Messiah. And that's what happens. We are never hopeless. God always does more uh, than the natural. Always work beyond what we can feel or see. He always goes beyond stuff. And that's what, what Freedom Sessions is about. Is That God is constantly working in the life of the believer. Constantly. Always pulling stuff out. Always showing us stuff that we haven't Maybe we forgot it. Maybe we covered it up. Maybe we put it under a blanket and think, you know what, or under a rug and think, you know what, Um, no one will know. I tell my kids growing up, I would tell them this, I said, those things which are done in secret will be brought to light. It's amazing how he does that in the life of a believer. It's amazing. You've got to be willing to let that happen. Another lie, any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me. Any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me. Let me give you an example. Someone comes to you and says, hey, hey. I'm noticing some things in your life and I'm concerned. And you automatically go to uh, level nine or level ten offensive mode. You do you think you are judging me? You're just judging me. You don't know me. Okay. I'm just gonna put that seed right there and let it create whatever it creates. And we've talked about this messages before where how we approach someone, how we talk about this. Number one, it needs to be done by love. Right? You may see things in other people. Right? You may not understand something that's going on in their life. You may see them going through something. You don't even realize that there's a whole lot more that you don't get to see. We are to approach it in love. And when you're the addictor, understand something, man, that it's never a threat against you. It's a threat against your addiction. And you don't want to give it up. You just don't want to quit. And that becomes offensive. Some folks here today have become public defenders for the stuff that is good, not good for you. When friends and family come to you about this, you try and defend it. You give it the alibi. Well, I'm only doing it because I don't have anything else to do. So that's why I can't put my thumb down from the phone. Right? You give it an alibi. Well, I was just doing it for a moment. Right? I was just answering a text. How many of y'all, right? Come on, somebody, right? I do the answer in a text. Well, that was like 45 minutes ago. We'll say things like, I don't have a problem. I can get over it. It's no big deal but it is. Because if it's robbing you of time with your father, if it's robbing you in becoming who God called you to be, then it's an addiction. If you can't quit it on your own, just snap and be done with it, it could be addiction. I have people that literally make fun of me. And uh, there's a lot to make fun of. I'm just saying. But on this case, it's is my cell phone. So I don't have my cell phone here today. Um, it's in the office. And it's a flip phone. I went back old school, right? and they make fun of me like I'm carrying a brick like a weapon I can throw around and throw at people right? but but here's the thing it was becoming a distraction in my life I want you to hear me for a moment it became a distraction where I'd go and I'm going to spend time with the Lord I'd get on that phone come on don't look at me like that and i start I just want to see how Dustin's doing today three and a half hours later I guess he's doing good we do that don't we what's the reason so here's the thing break off whatever's causing it why because there's greater life in that i had a guy come to the church this week why do you have that what matter of fact, what is that i said it's a phone his wife knew what it was he's like man that's an old flip phone i'm like yeah yeah please don't text me all right some of y'all understand that just, just don't text yeah yeah, some guys will send me a text just to see how long it takes me to respond. Right? <laughs> right? If you've never text like it's like you like A, A, A. Not D! Come get back here. A, a A A. But you know what? I can take that phone, flip it, throw it away. I don't there's no apps on it. Crazy. How do you live? I know it's crazy. Do you know, young people, did you know that there was a day, right? We did not have apps. Yeah. How many of y'all remember those days, right? Praise the Lord, right? Young people are like, what? Like, we had a phone, but you had to untangle yourself to hand it to the next person. Come on, somebody, right? Technology is great, but technology is also a curse because it's driving us away. We're supposed to be more communicated and have greater communication ever before, and yet we're so distant from one another. I watch husband and wife sit at a table at a date texting each other. Oh, yeah, it happened. It's a real story. Literally. Like, what is wrong with you people? Right? Now, if I'm stepping on your foot, just take it. Praise the Lord. Take it and go, God, woe me. Praise God. Or tap your husband or your wife next to you. See, the devil wants you to be defensive because when you become defensive of something, man, the enemy's winning. Now, I'm also going to say this. Somebody said this this morning. I absolutely agree with it. Is that we blame too much on the enemy. Like, well, the devil, the only thing that the enemy can do is bring it to you and present it to you. He did not force Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. He simply presented it to them and say, look, isn't this tree pretty? But it's our, we, we have it. We have things called self-control. Well, some people do. Walk in the spirit. It's actually a spiritual part of our identity is self-control. To say no to things that are unhealthy for us. As long as you will not allow truth to be spoken over that area of your life, that stronghold or that addiction, then you give it permission to cling to you. See, the stronghold wants you. And if you give it permission, it will have you. I tell people this all the time. The doorway for the enemy to come into your life is through several things. I'm going to talk about a couple of them here in just a moment. Another lie that we seem to talk about is that I begin to lose my life. I'm going to lose my life. It's not going to be who I am. I've gone too far. It's too late for me. I wish it would have happened sooner. We'll make an excuse like, I just, it just is what it is. I'm, just, I'm stuck with it. And so we literally just lay our life down for whatever that addiction is. But you understand something. Listen to me. God can do more with the latter part of your life than with the former. I am truly a witness of that. We think it's the end of the world. And it's not. That's a lie of the enemy. That you'll never amount to anything. That you'll never be anything because of whatever that addiction is. And that's an absolute lie. God can do more, man, with you in the next part of your life. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. Don't buy into this lie that our enemy seems to throw at us. God is not done with you. God can do more with the latter part of your life than with the former. God is able to do more than we can ask or think, the Bible teaches us, yes? It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what you're wrestling with. He can and will destroy the works of the enemy. He can destroy whatever it is that's holding on to you or trying to bring you underneath that water where you can't breathe. Some of you, it's anger. You have an anger issue. And this anger issue is drowning your family. Some of you check out of your family. You're not leading your family. When you do lead, because you don't have freedom, you're a dictator. You dictate to your family. Instead of lovingly guiding your family through the ways of the Father. Because you're so defensive. You have these barriers and these walls up in your life. And you know that if you let those barriers down, at least you think you do, that if you let those barriers down, that people are going to take advantage of you. And let me tell you something. They may. They may take advantage of you. That's not your concern. That's not your job. Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that what? All things work together to who? Not for everybody. How many times have we seen that in a Facebook post? Oh, I'm going through, oh, but God works all things together. No. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who call who are called according to his purpose. This is powerful teaching. You've not lost your life. God will give you a new life if you'll surrender to him today. He does something. I heard somebody say it one time like this. It's so powerful. That God will take the garbage in your life when you're loving him and your focus is on him and pleasing him. And he'll take it just like the puzzle piece that we just talked about. And he'll fit that together like a puzzle. And you may say to yourself, there's no way God can use this. There's no way God will use this. And he'll take that piece and say, watch me. And he'll dust that sucker off and he'll put it into the life that he created for you to live. Do not underestimate the power of God. And we do, though. We do, don't we? Will God, if he, no, he'll take all things and work them together for those who love him. I have seen it time and time and time again. I hear people that are wrestling so much with addictions and stuff going on in their life. And I know I'm standing back and I'm watching and I'll say to them, man, you need to just tap into God, draw into God. I am. I am. No, you're not. You're not drawing into him. Because you're still walking in unforgiveness, you're still not repentant, you're still letting these things attach to you, and your focus isn't on the Father. Because He says, and His promises, what? He'll cause it to work together. He'll cause it. It may be five years down the road. It may be ten years down the road. It may be when you're an old person, people. So I'm trying not to look around because there's a lot of older people in here. So yeah. Where? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we were talking about the 80s this morning. Like, and like everybody in the room was like, yeah, I remember that. Hey, Yeah, praise God. Right. Now look at Paul's response to conflict that he's having in our text. Let's, let's take a look here. Thanks be to God. This is his next verse, right, when he talks about who's going to rescue him. Thanks be to God. It is through Messiah Yeshua our Lord. So then with my mind, right, I myself serve the Torah of God. With what? My mind, I've got to change the way I think. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. In other words, the flesh is going to die. It's just death. But with my mind, I'm going to clean my mind up. I'm going to clean my thought life up. God has not given up on you. He is still the answer for all of us. How do we overcome it? Well, let's go to scriptures that we all know, right? Let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now what? What? No condemnation. Now, here's the problem. Again, this is where we get religious and we go like, oh, there's no condemnation on me. Yeah, but wait a minute. Let's make sure we read what it says. All right, let's not take it out of context. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Messiah. Here we are again. In other words, those who live like Messiah, those who are walking with Messiah, there's no condemnation. Why? Because their focus isn't out here. That's not where their focus is, their focus is over here. So they don't worry about all that stuff. Right? for the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. It has no hold on you. It only has a hold on you if you allow it to be. If you let it come in. If you let it set ground. Right? I hear people say, you know, well, I can't forgive her. I can't forgive her. You don't understand what she did to me. Who are you going to submit to? Right? You have the choice. Every person in here has the choice to be what God called them to be. It's very important. Now, I say this because I want you to understand something. I have no stones. It's a statement that I use a lot. Some of you may be familiar with that statement. You've been here long enough to know who I am and what I've done. But the reason I say I have no stones is that when Jesus looked for the accusers of the woman who was caught in adultery, the very first thing he says is, Woman, where are your accusers? And I usually show people like this, especially people that are dealing with issues in their life, and I'll open my hands up like this and I'll tell them, I have no stones. And in our church, I want you to grab something. This may may be a deal breaker for you, right? And the deal breaker is, if you have stones and like to carry around stones and throw stones at people that are struggling with addictions and hurts and habits and all that stuff, this is not your church. Go out there. Because that's not us. We don't have stones. We realize that people are going to come in from, that, that are Christians, that, are, uh, that, are, that have been in church for a long time. They may not even be Torah observant. <gasps> but they're going to come in with addictions. And they're going to come in with hurts. And if you don't like to get dirty, this is not your church. Go to another church. This is not you. This is not for you. right? If you're perfect and you've got everything figured out, go to a church that has everything figured out and let me know how it goes. Okay? Well, Pastor Mike, that's kind of bold. It's who we are. It's who we are. We're not going to judge you based upon your past. But if we see something that that spiritually we need to correct, we're going to do it through love. Because that's what we're commanded to do. Not judge. Not condemn. That's what condemnation means. It means to condemn someone. It means to set a judgment before them. Right? And I believe the Bible says something about judging another man's servant. I could be wrong. Not a person in here has the right to pick up a rock or pick up a stone and throw it. Not one person. And if you are that person and even right now you're thinking in your mind, well, you don't know. When we go to Oneg, you can leave. I used to preach a message once a year and try to drive people off. Maybe that's this message today. (laughs) Because we know what we're called to do. Our mission is paramount and it's to get people to start changing the way they live by understanding who they are not on some super spiritual hyper scriptural person that comes in here and think they've got it all figured out this is not the church for that i'm sorry i went off again in my experience, now listen, personal experience as a pastor in ministry over 20 plus years, I'm here to tell you that 99.9% of the time, the underlying issue with addictions, are you ready for it? It's idolatry. 99.9% of addictions are idolatry. And there's not one thing you can show me. I will show you. You tell me what your problem is. You tell me what the addiction is. You tell me where the struggle is, and I'll show you where the idolatry is. It just goes to God's scriptures, right? What is an What is idolatry? Listen, anything we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. I want you to hear that again. Anything that we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. I tell people all the time. Here's what I tell them I tell them to check two areas. What are they? Come on, people. What are the two areas? Your, bank, your calendar your bank account. Somebody said it over there. That's right. Your calendar and your checkbook. You want to know what's on the center of your heart? Look at your checkbook. Look at your calendar. What consumes your time? Because it's what you're worshipping. Where's all your money going? That's what you're worshipping. Right? Now listen to me real close. Because I know I'm going to step on toes. I just know it's going to happen. Send me an email. Go ahead. I'll ignore it. <laughs> right? Look at all the toys that you have. And all your money that you have. Right? Some of you have an addiction of buying stuff, junk, that's going to die. It's going to fade out. And then you can't understand why you have to work extra hours at your job to pay off for all the junk, all the stuff. And you have no freedom. Some of you right now, man, if the Lord called you into the mission field, you couldn't go because you have too much debt. You understand who's doing that for you? It's not the Oh, and, the, and we'll post, post say Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. I am so blessed. No, you're not. You're cursed. The Bible says in Proverbs, I believe it's 10.22. Some you can correct me here later. Right, what's it say? That the borrower is slave to the lender. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what it says. Who would keep you from going to the mission field? Who would keep you from going? To Some of you all can't go into ministry because you're so bound up with debt. You can't quit your job. You can't move wherever you want to move. You can't do whatever you want to do because you have to be at your job. Some of you all can't even practice Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh, I'm stepping on toes. I might move on here for a minute. Because you have to work. Because your job is so important because you have so much debt. You see the trickle-down effect. Why? Because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. What's the addiction? Trying to keep up with the Joneses. You want to look a certain way that America has told you this is how you're supposed to look. And it's a lie. It's a lie. Because the only one that matters on how we're supposed to look is what the Father says about us. And he says, don't go into debt. He says, don't be a slave don't be a slave, church. That was for someone today that was free. That's a bad way. That's Scott's fault because he prayed, Lord, Lord, if there's something that needs to be said, then tell Pastor Mike. And he just did. There you go. <laughs> Send your emails to scott at <laughs> epiclifetarrel.com That's scott at epiclifetarrel.com <laughs> So let me show you three quick ways. I know I'm going over here. Uh, show me 3 I'm going to show you three quick ways to deal with um, this spiritually because these are spiritual issues okay I'm going to show you how to handle it spiritually but there's two things that you have to do first and I'm not going to go into the message because of time that I want to say but there's two things you have to do before we do these three things right there are two things you have to do number one is there has to be repentance okay there has to be repentance if you have an addiction in your life and there's something the first thing you have to do is take it to the father okay and guess who that's between you and the father amen Now there are times, right, and we have men in this church who have done that. There are men in my life, listen to me, there are men in Pastor Mike's life that I go to. These are men that I trust. And if there's things in my life that I've got to deal with, I go to these elders. They're called apostolic elders. And I have them, by the way. So those of you who feel like you need to check up on me sometimes, go talk to my elders. Go talk to my elders. That's who you can go talk to. Okay? Okay? But I have men in my life, and they have the permission, not just the elders of our church, but these are outside elders who are leaders and pastors of their own churches and own communities. And these men, I have told these men, you have permission to ask me any question that you feel like you need to ask me. Anything in my area, and I will, I will tell you the truth in every area. Whether it's in my marriage or my finances or how I lead the community, how I lead the church. Every man needs that in their life. Every woman needs that in their life. They need a woman that's more mature than them, that's been down the road a time or two, that we can hold ourselves accountable to. So why? So that we can confess our faults one to another, that we might be what? Healed. Healed. There's healing in, in that. So, there's men in, so so what I'm telling you is, the things that I preach up here, I practice in my own life. In my own life. These are things that, are, and these are things that I tell our guys, the same thing, that you need to be able to do that. Because if you don't, you're going to go through this by yourself and you're going to lie to yourself because what you're going to do is you're going to go to the Father and you're going to repent but you've never talked to anybody about it. And it's still there. I tell people the best way, to, best way to destroy habits in your life is get it out in the light. Get it out in the light. Tell people about it. But, but yeah, tell people about it. Right? Because then you got a brother comes up to you and goes, Hey, man, how's your anger doing? Oh, dude, I appreciate you asking me and I'm doing good. Thank you. And that's what they're supposed to do. Amen? But, so they got to have repentance. The other thing you need to have is forgiveness. If you don't forgive, don't even expect to try to find, find freedom. It will not work. And freedom is a big text. That's why I don't have time to go into it all today. But I will tell you, it's not just about forgiving the person that hurts you. It's also about forgiving yourself. That's the hardest one. I've talked to more men and people, and the hardest thing they have is they can forgive someone that's hurt them, but they can't forgive themselves. And think that God is holding up some billy club over there trying to pounce them on the head if they mess up again. You got to remember, He is love. Man, He's so generous in His forgiveness to His people. Love that. So, those two things are huge. So, once you've dealt with those two, here's three things that you can do. Number one is put God first in every area of your life. And I tell people this do an inventory of your life. And wherever God is not first, make Him first. Repent, move on. So if God's not first in your finances, and you're having financial difficulties in your family, and you have a maybe a spending problem, go to God, repent, and then put God first in your finances. You know how you you know how you over this is going to step on toes. I know. You know how you overcome that type of a lifestyle. Become a giver. Become a giver, not a taker, not a spender. Amen. It's all about lordship. If you know that there is idolatry in your life, you must repent, turn back to God, teshuvah and then place our needs uh, feelings and all that stuff Right? we're going to set all that aside and ask the question God what does your word say about it there we go I almost had to call you Sam we're almost there we have to reorder the gods of our life I like to say it this way you know, because we're in Texas right we've got to push over the sacred cows those little cows that are in our life that we like to uphold and we want to protect and we want to guard we've got to push them over Get rid, Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Get rid of those things, man. Quickly. We reorder our life. Let's take a look. I mean, I went too far, didn't I? I already pressed it. People are lying are going, man, somebody else changed that thing, man. Exodus 21 through 4. Most of y'all know this. Then God spoke all these words saying, I am Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. This is a non-negotiable. You understand that? This is not negotiable. But God, you just don't understand, non negotiable. He has to have first place in your life. If he doesn't, there's an issue. What's going on. Do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or where? Or on the earth. Below or in the water under the earth. Nothing can take precedence over the Father. Nothing. The question is, what are you putting before him? So the first thing we have to do if we're going to be spiritually strong and overcome these things is look at our life. Be honest. Maybe sit down with a sister women. Maybe men sit down with a brother and say, man, I need to really be honest and look at my life and say, where is God in it? And if there's areas of blanks where God's not God, reorder your life. Repent, forgive, do whatever needs to be done, and focus on him. Let's take a look First 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 17, right? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not be afraid of or worry about their threats, right? So even if it's uncomfortable, there it goes. Instead, sanctify. I love this. this is why I put the scripture up here. Instead, sanctify Messiah as Lord in your heart. So what's sanctify mean, somebody? Come on, you Bible guys. What is it? Somebody give it to me. What is it? What does sanctify mean? Set apart. Right? Instead, set apart Messiah as Lord in your heart. Who's the Lord of your life? Well, Jesus is Then live like it. Surrender to him. Give him control. It's okay. He will do better on your life than we will. Amen? I love that. Verse 16, yet with humility and reverence, keeping a clear conscience of that word, whatever wherever you are accused of, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Messiah may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, right? If it's God's will, than for doing evil. In other words, you're going to be uncomfortable in this world. You can't do everything everybody else is doing. You simply can't. And it's going to make you maybe stand out. Praise the Lord. Heaven forbid if that happened, right? That you stand out for Messiah. And it may me even make you feel a little bit, you know, strange because everybody else is doing other stuff and you're not doing it. You're being the man or woman that God called you to be, and in this world that we live in, that can be very strange, and that can be very difficult. And I want you to take that in, right? All right let me get back there so they can see. All right, number two, I'm going right through this real quick. This is this one of my favorite? Is you have to say no to the flesh. Let's practice that. One, two, three. Good, good. Five of you did it. Okay, let's try the rest of us. One, two, three say no you know what how hard that is you know what when you're especially when you're walking in an addiction or something that's going on in your life about three or four times you're going to have to look at that guy in the mirror or that girl in the mirror right and you have to tell them, no we're not going that direction. we're not doing this any longer enough is enough you've hurt your wife you've hurt your husband you've hurt your kids enough is enough from now on we're going to live out the life we were created to live and you have to remind yourself daily sometimes it takes work how I many of y'all know that it takes work to think differently, to remember. Some of you who are forgiving people, you have to look at that guy or girl in the mirror and remind yourself, wait a minute, you forgave your mom, you forgave your dad, you forgave that person. You've got to tell yourself that. Well, that sounds like a lot of psycho babble. It's not. It's reminding you what God says. And it's getting out of the flesh and walking in the Spirit and living a life filled with the Spirit. Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin... Rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Get rid of it. And do not keep yielding your body parts to sin as tools of wickedness. Notice who's at fault. Notice who's at fault. It's us. We're yielding. We're giving into it. We're doing it. And Paul is telling the church in Rome, don't do this. Don't yield your body parts to sin as tools of wickedness, but yield yourself to God. That's a word almost like surrender, right? How many of y'all like driving in Dallas? Come on, everybody. Dial- nobody? Nobody here? Oh, we got one person. If you're on the bike. How about if you're on the bike? Okay, good. I want everybody to say no, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Praise God. Right? So when you come up, when you're entering, young people, those of you who don't know how to drive and your parents are trying to teach you how to drive, even if you've got a driver's license, you still don't know how to drive, because you really don't learn how to drive until you're about 30, just saying, all right? When there's a highway that you're coming on, this may apply to a lot of y'all, and you're, and you're on a ramp, okay, a ramp is taking you on to the highway. There's two things you need to do. Number one, there's a big triangle sign, all right? What does that triangle sign say? Yeah. That's right. What color is that sign? Isn't that beautiful that most of you know that now, not one young person said, Hey, that's a yield sign. Nobody said that, right? There's another thing about that, right? Here's another thing about that is that it's called an on-ramp. Like ramp. Like whoa, right? So you have a pedal on the right side of the bottom of the floor there, right? Hit that sucker, man, when it's time to go, man. Some of y'all come out there and like cars are running 70 miles an hour and you're like 20, 25. Yeah, it's like crazy, man. Don't even look. Yeah, just grow on out there, praise God. I've got When I was riding my bike, I used to get that's the scariest part. So I'd get all the way over away from the ramps because then people drive just kind of crazy. But we're to yield. Yield is an act of surrender. It means that you're on that ramp and there are cars that are moving a lot faster and you have to. Nobody's controlling it. You are. You're in control, right? And your job is to take your foot off the accelerator and let them wait a minute. I have to let them be mean to me. I have to let them off the hook for what they did to me. I have to, yes, because you want to yield yourself. Yield yourself to the Father. You understand? And I know this is going to sound wacky, right? You're not the issue. It's not all about you is what I mean. Right? There's something greater at stake. It's the people that you're going to come in contact with. Here's something I tell people. Broke people break people. And when you won't yield and you won't give yourself over to the Holy Spirit and you won't walk and you won't surrender these areas of your life, you are going to break someone. So our job is to yield. Yield. Some of us have a hard time yielding. And usually that comes out of something that's happened in their life. And they think by... Building these walls, no one's gonna yield. I'm not yielding to anybody anymore, bless God. I'm gonna show them. And all you're doing is destroying the life that the Father has for you. Don't you ever forget this. Here, I want you to remember this. What I starve dies. When I yield things in my life, when I, what I, when I yield and I starve areas of my life, they can do nothing but die. That's biblical. Whatever you feed is gonna grow, whatever you die starves stop feeding the addiction stop feeding the hurt you know how we feed hurt we replay it over and 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 over in our brain right men we do the same thing you guys looking at me like I don't do that yes you do you driving down the road listening to a country song maybe listen a little George Strait right on the radio right and you just cruise down the road and all of a sudden when you're 10 years old, it flashes through your mind and you're having an argument in the car and there's nobody in there with you. If I had that person stand in front of me, this is what I would do. Those are called phantom arguments and it's dealt with issues that are breaking inside you because in the real world, we don't have that person there to talk to and say, hey, how dare you? How dare you? And so what do we do if If he was standing here today, if she was standing here today, I'd give them. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You would do exactly what what the devil wants and you you would come down. But man, when you get free, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. You don't let that thought control your life anymore. Number three, obviously, is go. Hey, hey. Go all in with Yeshua. Go all in. Go all in. What does that mean? It means to go all in. It means don't play games, right? Do I need to bring you the, what is it? Somebody help me out, Sixth Commandment, Seventh Commandment? What is it? Uh, No, 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 I'm sorry. Take the Lord's name in vain. What command is that, three? Is that three? Because four is Sabbath, right, three, thank you. So the third commandment is don't take the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean? Don't take on the name of Messiah and live a life contrary to his life, right? Go to First John, right? No man can say they love the Father and not walk in his ways. He's a liar and the truth's not in him right? So just do this. Go all in. Go all in for him. What's he going to lose? What's it going to hurt? What's it going to hurt to give everything you have over to him? God, you take my finances, you take my wife, you take my marriage, you take my children, you take everything. I'm focusing on you today. That's my mission. My mission is to become everything God told me to do. I tell this to people and they think I'm crazy. Before I wake up in the, or not before I wake up, that would be weird. So before I get out of bed in the morning, before I get out of bed, every morning I do this, every single morning. I submit myself to the Father before I walk out. Before one foot is on that floor. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm not telling you to do it. This is what God has told me to do. I start my day with my word, saying, God, I give everything to you. I'm all in. Whatever you have for me today, I want it. I want your will in my life, not mine. That's a hard prayer to start praying. Before I ever touch the ground, that's where I'm going. So that my day starts. Just like a tithe, right? I give him the first seconds of my life. And the first seconds of my day. Go all in with Yeshua don't play games. Some of us are playing games with them. You're here because because man, if you'll just work this situation out, I'll, I'll love you and I'll serve you. Guess what? No, you won't. Because as soon as things change, you'll change. And you'll go right back into the same stuff you, that God's drawing you out of. I've seen it time and time again, right? We call it jailhouse religion, right? Right When you're in the middle of the jail, when you're in the middle of a fight, right? Oh God, please save me. If you get me out of this debt, if you help this bill collector not, if you help my life not be turned off. Right? I'm gonna love you every day. No, you ain't because as soon as you get the money in your pocket, you're going back. Why? Because you've not submitted to Yeshua. Submit to Yeshua. Looking at it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. All of us know this. I there, there I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Right? Watch. Do not be conformed. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning. Here's the round circle, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You've got to change the way you think so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you guys go get the kids, please? I don't know who needs to do that. Dustin's already there. No, he's in the back. He's right back there. Slacker, I know. Slacker. You married him. Praise the Lord, all right? We're going all in with Yeshua. All right? So we have to change we have to change our thinking because here's the other thing to that other thing I just, uh, the, what starve what you starve dies but also what I feed thrives what I feed thrives and that goes all the way right we know the scripture how many have on like, like seed time and harvest will never end right we ain't got no problem with that right right and, and what you reap you sow right now we love that scripture when it's good stuff right we're like oh yeah like whatever I sow if I sow love I'm going to get love right but it also works the other way right whatever I sow negatively you're going to reap Because here's the thing, you're a sower. You're going to be sowing seed all your life. You're sowing good stuff or you're sowing bad stuff. You're sowing. No matter what you're doing in your life, you are sowing seed. The question is, what seed are you sowing? The question is, if you don't have this inside you, overflowing out of you, you can't sow it. can't give what you don't have, can you, brother? can you? You can't. You can't give something you don't have. You can't sow seed that you don't have in your bag. This is why scripture, this is where we've lost the art of memorization. don't memorize scripture no more right like you talk to christians sometimes that have been in the body of christ for 10 15 years right and you go tell me your favorite scripture you know what i've heard it said so many times you know what they'll say i don't have one or they'll try you like you like look them up they're they're running through sunday school like okay all right you know try to figure out that scripture find you a daily verse man that's your life how many y'all in here let me ask a question right i just want to see how many y'all have a life verse in here right now praise god Look at you guys, Mind Ephesians 3.20, that's my life verse, my life verse, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask and think through the power that's within me. That's been my life verse, man, for over 20 years, because God can do more in me than I could ever hope, ever imagine. Can you imagine that, right? I mean, think of what you can imagine in your brain of what God could do for you, right? That's big, that's some big stuff, right? But the Bible says "Man, Ephesians 3.20, he'll do greater than that. Greater than what you can think of. Greater than when you are What's at stake? The life that God's created you for to live. This isn't about prosperity. This is about there's a man or a woman that you're one day going to come in contact with who needs someone who is free. Who needs someone who's living out the life that God has called them to live. You guys, sometimes, some of y'all in here, you, you associate with worldly people and yet you act just like worldly people. They don't need that. They need Messiah. They need you to let your light shine. They need you to walk in freedom why because they're not free but he who the sun sets free free indeed what a powerful powerful message thank you for joining us for this week's uh podcast from sunday to sabbath talking about breaking free now join us this next week at the uh probably thursday we'll have the part two of our uh, message that we've been talking about on how uh, what happened you know how did we go from being a sunday church to a sabbath church you don't want to miss that Uh, we're on all the platforms don't forget to like and share if you haven't done this already talk to your friends tell your friends about us and we'll see you next time on sunday to sabbath god bless